0: Hello, I am Joel McLeod,
1: and I'm Roland Tanner,
0: and welcome to the 905er. For the last year, homelessness in Hamilton has been on the rise. The city has tried to come together to solve it. We've covered it before on the podcast during our episodes about the HATS project, the tiny shelters for homeless people to get off the streets and into safety, getting their footing and getting back into society. For the better part of last year, the City Council hasn't been able to find a suitable location for this project. Any proposed site is met with opposition, and there doesn't seem to be real leadership for the project from the City Council or the Mayor's office. In that time, the issue of homelessness has grown exponentially. Tent encampments are now a feature of public parks and streets. It has grown into a citywide crisis and is now the issue of our time for Hamilton. So where is the mayor to address this humanitarian emergency in her city? Well, that's what we wanted to know. What are Hamilton's plans for addressing homelessness? What resources are available to be used? And where is Andrea Horvath's leadership on this crisis? Those are some of the questions her critics would like answered. One of the most vocal is a longtime friend and guest of the podcast, Laura Bobcock. On her weekly online panel, The O Show, she has been bringing up the issue of Mayor Horvath's absence on this file, amongst others. Well, over a year into her new mandate as mayor, the priorities of Mayor Horvath are still a mystery to many Hamiltonians. And in that absence, the homeless issue has turned into a crisis. It should be pointed out that not only has Laura been using her platform to criticize Mayor Horvath, but in her personal time, she has been volunteering in Gore Park with the tent encampments to help feed the homeless there. Her unique insight into what is happening on the ground, we believe, makes her a valued guest on this topic. She joins us today. Welcome back uh, for the fourth time to the podcast. A uh, friend of the podcast, scourge of conservative trolls everywhere. Uh, Laura Babcock, host of the OSHO and uh, a CEO, president of the Power Group. Thank you very much, Laura, for uh, coming back to the 905 or two. Take a dive into Hamilton municipal political failures is what I think how we're going to frame this episode.
2: Hey, I'm glad to be back, and I love that intro. But I would like to think <laughs> myself as a scourge to trolls everywhere.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
2: After how you come at me?
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, one of the reason the reason I want to invite you on to this episode is we've been wanting to talk about Return to Hamilton and and talk about what's going on in the city. And you've been focusing a lot on the O show, so we thought, who better to talk about it? But Hamilton's homeless. Issue. I don't want to say it's a problem. I, I want to say it's an issue, is not going away. Uh, tent encampments have not disappeared well over a year into this new council's term in office. Uh, recently, the Tiny Hats project it was a complete failure uh, that really could have gone, I think, a lot of steps to mitigate this crisis that we're in. And you you really haven't kind of let the, the current council off the, uh, you know, off the, the 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 responsibility train, uh, can can you give us some insight into into what your your thoughts are on the on the situation at hand?
2: Well, I think if we're going to use a label for it, it's an emergency, right? We're seeing huge huge numbers of people living in homelessness in our community. At least sixteen hundred on the street that we know of, but that doesn't count all of the people who couch surf and who you know move from one precarious dwelling to another. Uh, and it's we, as everybody knows, we have a, a large food line that happens, and a line for clothing and other supplies. Which I think in the spring was around two hundred and fifty people in Gore Park, and now it's uh, eight hundred. We served a couple of weeks ago. It felt like on Saturday there might have been as many as a thousand people. So we know that there is a huge need in Canada across Canada, there's over two hundred thousand homeless people in Canada. Um, but we know that just in Hamilton, there's a lot. In Toronto, there's ten thousand. I mean, this is it, it is unimaginable to see those lines. It, it reminded me the first time that an Osho viewer sent me the photo of Depression Era soup line, and I couldn't believe it. And so, since being able to volunteer, I've gotten a much better sense of just the depth and the breadth of the crisis, and met a whole lot of people. Who are living in homelessness, and they're there for many reasons, right? Uh, rent control was taken away, so a lot of people are being rent evicted. Their apartments that they could live in managed poverty for years. Now, you've got seniors who are being kicked out on the street because Ford removed rent control, which just a fact. And a lot of people are uh, also dealing with disabilities, you know. And we know that ODSP payments are way below what anybody could manage on, right? So it, it's you know, and, it's, and we know that the federal government, the priority, prioritization around housing stocks just hasn't been there for the last 30 years. Subsequent governments have failed to project um, the numbers that we would have and the need that we would have for deeply affordable and affordable housing. So, you know, it's on this issue. It's not about a particular political party. This issue is about all levels of government uh, not doing enough and particularly to Hamilton Council. You're right. I don't know if you've seen the OSHO I just posted but I went at Councillor Cameron Kretch for a good 45 minutes. I don't think either of us came up for air uh, and I and I called out Council's failure to get the HATS project done and it wasn't just that you know they spent two years kind of theater around it, death by delay as I called it but then, when the site was finally selected by council and they finally went ahead with the pilot program, it was in Cameron Crutch's ward. Uh, he went down to tell the community about this pilot, and there was huge pushback. The mayor and him were bullied, they were getting death threats. And so, what ended up happening is council was crickets. No one on council stood up and said, This is our urgent priority. We've said there's an emergency here. We have said that affordable housing is our priority and getting these shelters done has been decided finally. And so we are not going to accept this kind of nonsense. We are going to make sure that people in our community have access to shelter and housing. There was no sign of solidarity or courage. And, you know, when Councillor Kretsch tried to tell me last night that, you know, there was these technical issues, I I said to him, with all due respect, because I know he's someone who's been fighting for the tiny shelter project. I said, other municipalities, I'm getting things sent to me all the time from across Canada updates on their tiny housing projects right got one from bc the other day on the mayor updating when they're going to have theirs up i mean other communities right across the country i could go on and on with this are finding ways to temporarily help people ottawa worked out a deal to make a building in hamilton there's a group pushing for the armories to at least temporarily be open so we're, we're in a situation where um i don't think any of us can let our eye off the ball on this Now now it is Symptomatic of the bigger problem, of course, of a lack of housing availability and a lack of mental health supports and food prices and all the rest of it. It's a complex issue. And what leads people into homelessness is complex. Getting them out is possible. It just requires a transition to housing. We know that Housing First is the solution. Finland's proved it. Um, there's there's lots we can do, but we're never going to see less encampments, guys. Uh, we're ne- And a baby was born at an encampment this week, right? We heard about it. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, we're never going to see the baby was born a couple months ago, but the counselor just one of the councillors finally admitted it this week. Um, we're never going to see less people living in these terribly dangerous conditions. They warm up their tents with hand sanitizer, which causes fires, which can kill them. Right. There's a lot of dangerous drugs on the street. And if I was living outside in the winter in Canada, I'd probably be using something. So, I mean, we are so sorry to go on so much, but it's a it's a huge issue, but we have to address it.
0: Well, I- yeah, I mean there, there there's a lot to to undress to there and we're we're gonna go over it uh in this episode. I, I think what I want to focus on is you mentioned the, the failure of our political leadership. And yes, I think every level of government has some share of that pie to to bear, but I want to focus on Hamilton because my my take is that it's the failure is now turning into a matter of all levels of government looking to each other and say, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, so therefore we can't do X, Y, and Z. Therefore, it's really your fault. No, it's your fault, da 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 And I'm going to pick on Hamilton City Council because I thought, let's bring it back to that FAST project. That was a very simple solution to say, well, at least we're doing something. We're taking the steps. It's not the end-all solution, but it is a powerful step forward and kind of light the fire underneath the province and the feds to say – we're doing our part step up. Now it's your failure. Why, why are we not seeing that level of leadership? I mean, from from Andrew Horvath and this council, I, the fact that, as you said, Andrew Horvath and Cameron Crutch goes to the community and they're getting pushed back and there's no leadership to stand and say, time out. This is what's actually happening. This is what's actually going to take place. Instead, they fold like a cheap suit and say, well, you know, the people don't want it. Therefore we tried and we're all out of options. We're not at a, at a place where we can say that that's an acceptable move forward. What's your opinion then on this council to say, hey, you know, why can we not get these basic programs underway, executed, and get something on the ground at least within that's within their jurisdiction?
2: So uh, there's a, uh, I think three parts to that. I think we've seen uh, Mayor Horvath advance almost no progressive values or, or platforms or positions mm-hmm. I mean, even right now on the police services board and on lrt and all these other things she's either absent or delaying votes or you know kind of um protecting herself from any kind of scrutiny whatever that is that's not my that's not what i call leadership and i think it's been a huge disappointment so then you take her out of you have to take her out of the, the picture, except for the fact that she's, you know, knows how to use parliamentary manipulation things to move votes around. Um, she's doing that well, but she's not standing up for anything, and she hasn't shown that she's going to, and she doesn't speak about these crises. And so it gets to a point where it's kind of like, okay, what what is council doing then if the mayor is not someone we can count on to, be, to stand up for people, right? Uh, and so then we have council, and what the HATS thing showed us, Joel, was that the, uh, and this is what I worried about so much at the time. It was an organized campaign to block that location. There were, there were lawn signs, right? This is not something where one or two neighbors are worried. Uh, and so there were letters being written and public. I mean, there was a lot going on. Uh, I found a lot of it terrible and I, and I questioned some motives behind some of it. Um, but what we saw there was because it looked like an organized campaign to my seasoned eyes, mm-hmm. uh, I was afraid that that would be replicated. And now we're seeing it replicated, right? Now, now we're seeing that council was tasked tasked staff to find a couple of parking lots in the city that were municipally owned, not used very much near high density, inter- or at least near, um, you know, transit and shops and a great place for housing. They selected a couple before even talking about what the the build would look like, you have a group in Stony Creek who are trying to fight back against it, right? And they sent me the petition. It was like, oh, you know, we didn't know about this, blah, 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 blah. We support affordable housing, but, you know, but not in our backyard. Not in near Veterans Lane, which, by the way, is just assigned to a back laneway behind the Legion. It's hardly uh, as wonderful as we can do with a Veterans Lane, and I think we should move that sign to a better street. And I took a video for the O show just to show people what we're fighting over here. What we're fighting over is they, someone from that group somewhere I heard say, you know what it's well in the north end, they could stop it with hats, right? So there's and I, I forgive me if, if it wasn't a direct group member who made that comment, but the I'm pretty sure I saw it somewhere on social, the idea that well, it could be stopped there, right? The hats program was stopped with opposition, so we should be able to stop it here. Mm-hmm. And then you see other long term counselors remaining old guard uh, saying, well, oh, you know, we don't we want to protect the character of the neighborhoods in our ward. So I think what's happening is you have enough people on council uh, who do not want the character of their neighborhoods or their neighbors to have to accept density and affordable housing and people in their neighborhood who might not have the same kind of economic status as the rest of them do, and so they are they're like blocking this on these on these technicalities with these positions or petitions with these you know business groups and it's going to get worse guys if we don't have council if not the mayor, at least council say, you know what? We are never going to protect the urban boundary and the green belt. If we can't get these houses built or these units built within our existing urban boundary, if we can't use our available parking lots, if we can't put it in places that are already zoned for affordable housing, uh, then we're gonna end up having to cut into the green belt. We're not gonna be able to do it. So, I mean, it's it's counterintuitive for people who supported the green belt to be opposing these kind of densifications and it is politically cynical of some of these councillors to deny their own priorities and to to basically kowtow to some vocal residents and even support those vocal residents in their vocal opposition Uh, and and they're using kind of the hats example at least you know in terms of a template for how to do it so as a community we have to say either we want to help with our homeless crisis we want to help with the growing crisis it's not going to get better before it gets a lot worse Uh, either we want to do everything we can right now to get some of these affordable housing units built for the sake of the dignity and the survival of the people in our city or we want to protect our parking lot because we like a store nearby or we want to use you know this sign to say we can't build here or we want to say the character of the neighborhood or people are you know we're either going to do it or we're not there's a thousand reasons guys not to do things you know, but if you have the values and the vision and the urgency to get something done, you get past all those obstacles. Mm-hmm. You work with partners, you collaborate, you discuss. The mayor should be doing press conferences every day on this, like we see Olivia Chow doing almost every day. You know, she's up there all the time telling the people of Ontario why the budget, why the housing, why the need to press the feds. So, you know, if we're if the mayor's not going to lead this vocally, and, and Councillor Kretsch on the OSHO tried to buy forked. He tried to say, Well, that's vocal leadership. And I said to him later, like, leadership is leadership. Vocal mm. is part of it, um, but we haven't seen evidence that there's any special deals happening behind the scenes to open the armories or to open up, you know, Sir John A or to get the HATS project back on track or get another collaborative partner. Like we're not seeing the effort that would suggest that this, this is, in fact, a priority for this council. And we're certainly not hearing about it from most of them. And that's very alarming.
1: Uh, that's really the the character that this council now has, isn't it? I mean, we've been here for a couple of years now. Uh uh mayor horvath isn't isn't you know the new mayor on the block anymore we can't kind of say well let's wait and see uh i mean i was saying to Joel just before we came along on online well she's delivered exactly what she promised because she promised nothing and she's delivered nothing um her her kind of campaign literature was some of the most empty i've ever seen in in my life and i've looked at a lot of campaign literature in my time right. and boy is she delivering um it it it's. I mean, as an a some former us leader of us of to about
2: Roland. Sorry, yeah. but some of us, the OSHA, when I interviewed her and I saw that it was all pabulum yeah. and platitudes, yeah. I, I warned everybody. I said, I don't think she's in this yeah. to win this for the city. I think she's in it because she can have it. You know, and she she won by one percent. Um, so I'm not even sure there's a real mandate there, right? Or there. I mean, you know, democracy. She's the mayor, uh, but I'm just saying that not a lot of people were super inspired by that campaign, no. like you know.
1: It was a very uninspiring. I mean, like exactly. I mean, um, she won unconvincingly, uh, uh, but but there you go. That's how the system works. But um, but my goodness, you know, as a former leader of of the NDP, who who sold herself, you know, her the you know, firebrand standing up for the little guy against you know those those rotten guys from the other two parties. This is what we can expect as, as a mayor, you know. What what would we expect it as, as 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 a premier? <laughs> it's this. This is so disappointing, isn't it? And I mean, I, I'm the first person to say, you know, the job of mayor in an Ontario municipality is a sucky job. You've got no power. Um, you can, well, you've got very little power. Um, the power that you do have is really to use your voice to kind of embarrass other people into action in some ways. But you do have that voice and you have that platform. And like you say, people like Olivia Chow ma- managed to use it. Uh Marianne Mead Ward, um whatever her faults that many of our listeners may feel she may have, um she's someone who, you know, has stamped a character on a on a municipality. Because former
0: or Bonnie Crombie as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Rob Burton, people like that oh, who who please. have you know, their majorities have a character. Patrick, Patrick Brown, Brown Eden, yeah. the
2: mayor of Guelph, um, has been hugely vocal around housing issues, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of them who are using social media and using mm. their bully pulpit. I
1: mean, she's, just, she's so incredibly absent, it seems to me, um, and not using the the you know, admittedly limited uh, power that she has. Well, she has uh, the kind
2: of... but she has the strongest well, power. That's
1: true, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm forgetting you. that. Yeah. She's yeah, not even
2: using that. I, I mean, and I get this asked all the times. I had lunch with somebody the other day and it broke my heart because it broke their heart. It was somebody who got into politics because of Andrea Horvath way back in the day when she was that firebrand, you know, f- scrapper. Um, and they said to me over lunch, they said like, I'm heartbroken. Like, what, what is happening? And, and they said, you know, is she compromised? And I thought, you know, I can't, I don't want to assume that. I don't want to ever throw that out there. I don't have any facts. I do think it's important to look at who funded her campaign, though, you know, and who went to fundraisers for her subsequently. What are the names on there? I know some of the names on there are former conservative rivals from Queen's Park, our developers who, you know, I think they have their names in the Greenbelt stuff. So, I mean, you, we have to look at, who got her into office? And I think that matters, right? It matters, it's not definitive, but I think it it might help explain some of the slow to get on board with the greenbelt. You guys remember, I think we talked about this last year. It was like, why isn't she at the rally? She wasn't even at the one at city hall where Mayor Meade was. The Burlington mayor came to our city hall and our mayor didn't show up. I mean, it was weird. And then finally, when we won the Greenbelt thing from a public pressure point of view, she was happy to sign a big letter of how proud she was a council standing up to Ford on the Greenbelt. Um, so, but I mean, with issue after issue after issue, I mean, she campaigned on the LRT, to be union uh, run or operated, and I think there was an LRT meeting yesterday. And at the end of all these delegations, she kicked the vote to uh, down the road, so that when it comes up in the next voting thing, if she votes pro union, it'll probably still fail. But she didn't make the decision when it would have, like I think, really mattered. I wasn't at the meeting, but that's the assessment someone gave. So I just mean, and the police service board, she wasn't there when the budget came up, and then when the budget came to the second meeting, she told Councillor Cretch. That a budget meeting wasn't the place to review the budget line by line, right? And then the meeting this week, yeah, the the chair, uh, you know, they, they were putting forward uh, a possible election to the leadership to change it up of a racialized candidate for vice chair and Croach for chair. And Andrea Horvath voted against them and kept the status quo. I mean, like there's example after example, guys, where it's not just Mayor Absentia, as people are calling her now. Uh, it's the fact that when she's there, the votes are. They're hard to understand from the lens of what many of us thought were her values. And so uh, I'm
1: not uh, sure. I'm not
2: and, sure And
1: If you think, I mean, again, I mean, I almost feel like, you know, given that she sort of dropped into the race you know, almost sort of weeks before she wasn't part of the discussions in Hamilton that were going on for years before where, you know, we were, you were, uh, having shows, we were having shows, uh, uh the, the, you know the, about the talk about the need for a new a new type of mairie a new type of council she wasn't even here to see that and what she seems to have delivered is like you know is there anything Andrea Horvath has done in, in a substantial way that couldn't have been done by her predecessor i mean, cuz i can't think of anything I mean, what I think... makes her stand out as a, as a new you know a new broom there is no new broom even a little bit well, there is no see. new
2: broom but what was an what was Alarming to me at the time, but I I didn't, you know, like I I just didn't think it would be this bad. I thought she wouldn't work as hard as Keenan would because he had a clear campaign and vision. But I thought that with all of her experience, she would use the bully pulpit well. She would go at Ford. She would get our fair share. She'd scrap for Hamilton. You know, I so I didn't I wasn't as concerned when this happened. But when she got the endorsement of the old school mayor, two of them uh, and an old school, an old guard counselor, like some people who we had had serious concerns with from a progressive point of view and from a, you know, scandal point of view in this town, uh, took their endorsements, you know, with a big smile. And I thought, wow, she must just really be out of touch with what's been going on in Hamilton. If she think that, that that's that probably lost her votes, right? People are looking at that going, how can you, we just got rid of Fred and Sam and these guys, like it took a lot of work to try to get this council to a place that it could meet mm-hmm. the needs of the 21st century, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to, and and here you are doing what you know taking taking their hand off so to your point roland it feels like the baton was passed and the mm-hmm. and the problem is you know like let's take the new year's levy as an example the mayor of halifax cancelled their new year's levy because he couldn't sleep at night knowing that there were homeless people near the city hall and he was going to spend eighty five hundred dollars of taxpayer dollars to throw you know these stupid parties he cancels it, gets counsel to move the money to a charity or whatever that would help the homeless. Mayor Andrea Horvath threw three of them, three of them. And he said to her, like, you can stop this, right? Like, you, you don't have to go forward and do this. Not a peep, not a sense of any kind of, so I don't know if it's a gut instinct. I don't know if she's she's certain people who got her elected and she she's not going to do anything that uh, you know that's off what the script is i don't know what's going on but i do know that there's another column in the spectator today from uh margaret skimba who's a regular osho guest i haven't read it yet but i've had a number of people send it to me and i'll look at it later um, but asking where is Mayor Andrea Horvath on the important issues? So you know, where's Waldo? Where's Andrea? For a long time, we couldn't even find her, and now when we do see her vote, we, we don't understand, and that and that's troubling because we've got another what two and a half years of this.
0: Well, that's I, I kind of want to bring bring it back to the I- issue at hand, and I think mm-hmm. it is, does uh, play into it a bit, and because anyone who follows your social media has seen that you and your family have been going to volunteer uh, on, the line, on the front lines, literally, the front lines of this crisis. And you've got a chance to meet some of the people that are directly involved with this. And I thought that was interesting because we seem to see this abandonment by Andrea Horvath at the municipal level to get to, to be the people's mayor, these people. Um, the other issue is um, a comment that Doug Ford made when he was asked about the homeless issue in Hamilton. Uh, and he made a comment that basically like, oh, no, we're creating all these jobs. And, you know, we're going to have all these, you know, they just need to go out and get a job. And I was, it struck me. It's like, it's this old tired belief in that homelessness is your fault. It's because you're lazy and you don't want to work. And that's why you're homeless. And therefore you deserve your lot in life. And as you said at the start, it's not that there's a myriad of reasons why this is happening to folks. Yeah. And I just kind of want to get your commentary on that. Is that, you know, at the, at its core, it was feeling this kind of apathy towards the homeless crisis, homelessness crisis that's happening in our, in our cities. Mm-hmm. Is it that we're still stuck in this 1980 thinking of you did this to yourself and I'm don't, I'm not bailing you out. Cause. Right. I, you know just get off my, get out of my park kind of mentality.
2: So I I think, uh, so yes, I do. I mean, the the organization that runs it is not political in any way. So when I speak about what I experienced volunteering, it's not, you know, I'm not representing them. Um, I get to meet so many people and now I find every, I look forward to it every Saturday and I'm hoping that I see the same people. I mean, I hope they made it, right? Another week Uh, and, and you, there's so many reasons, right? And, I think what I've seen from research even from other municipalities is that there really are now seniors who wouldn't have been homeless before because they would have been in these low rent apartments that they could manage on a fixed income, who are now run evicted and on the street there really are it's true, right, there really are babies being born and Cameron Croach confirmed yesterday, it's not the first one of children, children in Canada being born in tents, right? In in precarious situations. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine this is happening. And so when I meet people and I get to talk to them a lot, um, there are a lot of people who, one guy said to me this week he goes you know i feel bad taking this from you because until recently i was paying into the system with my job and i said you're not taking anything i'm happy to share you know we all need we all need support sometimes there are people who had a personal tragedy went into a depression there are people who had and don't have mental health supports you know who found their life kind of uh, getting more and more difficult there are people who uh, there was one student who was there who didn't have, you know, we've heard a lot about students who come over and had no idea that there wouldn't be affordable housing and there wouldn't be affordable food, right? And and two gentlemen who are homeless, one uh, in a wheelchair, said, you know, we've, we've found him and we, we're bringing him through the line. We don't want him to take anything today. We want him to get it because we want him to know that people in Canada are caring. Can you imagine that, right? Um, and we had, uh, you know, I've had situations where people told me that they don't have any heat in their apartments. And so they sit by the stove. I've had, you know, like there, there's so many reasons why they're there, but a whole bunch of it. And what I keep hearing about when we get into these conversations is that they, they, one guy said he cries every time he tries to go to the grocery store. Um, other people have said like they used to be able to live together in apartments and they can't, you know, and one guy who a young man, he must've been like, seemed like 22 years old, had an older gentleman with him who's maybe 40 or something. And he said, you know, um, I was too shy when I first became homeless to ask for help. But now that I've learned how to, I brought my friend. And the friend said, you know, isn't that what life's about, uh, is paying it forward? So, I mean, these are people who are living right now in sleeping bags and in tents and in terrible situations, and they have incredible dignity and graciousness and compassion and, and gent- generosity of spirit. I mean, I see people who are hungry, who are when a little child keeps wanting more and more and more, and they've gone past the limit, you know, I think everybody kind of wants kids to have a little extra. But when it's like, we really can, not we've got a lineup of, you know, 800 people behind you, we can, not you know, you'll see other people in line go, no, they can have my portion. I don't need from that table today. So I mean, this, this and a lot of them dance. I started bringing dance music because I'm a dancer. So I dance on the corner at my little table or if I'm cooking the food, bringing the food out and people all start dancing. Some people don't speak English, you know, and they find that dancing is a way that we can communicate. So it's a place of joy in the sense that people down there are wonderful and grateful and um, just trying to get through the day and they appreciate the support from the community, which is massive. It's an incredible operation. Um, But, you can't go down there and meet people and walk away with that 1980s idea that you're talking about you know well just pick up your bootstraps i mean how do you pick up your bootstraps if i mean one young beautiful woman i saw down there was an amputee and must have been in her 20s and she said to me is is that this kind of pasta and i said oh i'm not really sure and she goes well it doesn't matter it's all wonderful and i thought how does she get through the week like i can't understand right and you have people one guy said to me i'm a dancer but since my body is now broken i'm dancing with you in my mind and you're, you're sitting there going, that is beautiful and heartbreaking. And so if you have an injury that literally you couldn't work if you wanted to, um, which I think most of them do, like who doesn't want and prefer to work than not work. Um, there's, you know, there's not an ODSP, doesn't even come close to paying rent now. It's not even just checking between rent and food. You can't have either, right? So so I think we just have to like, and it's and I'm no hero for going down there. I really enjoy it. So does my family. We have a great time. You know, the organizers who run it are the heroes um, and who cook the food it's amazing we're just there to lend a little bit of our time on saturdays and but the experience changes you guys because you you as someone said it changes you on a cellular level you just can't believe those 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 narratives and those excuses anymore it's like no these are you know could be my friend my neighbor my cousin like what on earth right
0: i want to ask this this one follow-up question uh Mm -hmm. since your time volunteering there Have you seen any political leadership show up to talk to the people there to volunteer to get a lay of the land of what's happening on the streets of Hamilton uh, at any level—federal, provincial, municipal?
2: I'm—I made a commitment (laughs) that I would not politicize the tremendous effort done by like 130 volunteers every Saturday. I'm not going to—I can't answer that, Joel. I've been asked by other other interviews. you know not only might i miss them because i am focused on the people in the line not on you know who else is there but also okay, you know they've got to people have to search their own heart and decide where they can be most helpful right um, what I know is that any they're missing out if they're not there because it is a beautiful experience and it is a like just the scale of the operation, you've got like convoys of vehicles coming in from, uh, you know, coming in dropping off food you've got all con- like the coordination is incredible, uh, and I, it must be a full time job for a number of people who do it for free all week to make it happen, and if I were in elected office at any level and there was a volunteer operation that was doing that much, that well, I would want to watch it just from a logistics best practice point of view, let alone get to know the people who are there, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if they ever have been. I don't know if they are. I don't look for them. What I look at is uh, the person in front of me and ask them how they're doing and what I can get for them, right?
0: Well, I like the notion of a convoy that helps. That's
1: yeah. <laughs> it makes a change in the Canadian context, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean bringing back to the public opposition to the, to to the to the hats project i mean my my feeling always is with with sort of nimbyism as it is called is that nimbyism is a constant in life um people don't like change and when some someone proposes a change in a neighborhood you will get people who say i don't want it and as a councillor as a politician at any level you just have to expect that so we can spend I'm not gonna criticize for people for being people, you know. Uh sometimes those uh, um the reasons people oppose things are incredibly small-minded, narrow, and uh petty. Sometimes they have an actual point. Um the fact is that opposition is gonna be there, they have a right to have their say. However, the duty is on the on the politicians to to stand up to that if they feel that that, that it's an unreasonable opposition if it is just small-minded not in my backyardism uh it's the leadership that then turns the tide use your political capital to say hey we're not going to give in to these people who say this because this is a really good project it's a good project because of this this and this and we didn't get that from the mayor but it sounds like, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're obviously much more uh, deeply in tune with what's going on in the council than I am. Um, uh, didn't really come from from anywhere else either uh, on council. I mean, I know um, Councillor Kretsch, uh, it sounds like, you know, still would have been well, well behind behind the project and we certainly would expect him to be. Um, but, you know... If, this just seems to have die. You know, the first sign of opposition, it just went. Well, it's the, coming back. Oh, well, let's give up.
2: Yeah. yeah, well, it's coming back, and I and I think that Councillor Danko and Councillor Nan and others um, are supportive of this kind of affordable housing build. You know, because you can't. I mean, unless you're looking at it from a, a purely pandering point of view to your hyper local constituency for your re-election or your peace of mind or whatever. Um, unless you're looking at it from that point of view, like Tom Jackson talking about the character of the neighborhood or whatever, like unless you're that person, you have to know this has to happen. Otherwise the greenbelt gets expanded into, right? Like it has to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, to override the knowledge that that's both a council priority, it's uh, it's urgent and it has to happen to correct the greenbelt, to override that by hyper-local opposition around really, technicalities that don't stand the test, uh, you know, I think that's shameful. And I I think that that's where, when this comes back to Council, I'm very much hoping that the majority of Council will say, you know what, it's going to happen in each of our wards, no doubt about it, and we're all going to have to stand up for the bigger picture for the city. Uh, and we're going to have to get this stuff done. And so what we did on the O show, and I don't normally go to this much of a length, gentlemen, as you know, um, is I just drove down there. And I thought, what is this venerable veterans lane that I haven't even heard of before and I haven't seen? You know, my family were veterans. I'd love to see this thing. Uh, and it was, I couldn't find it because it's right behind the entrance to a municipal parking lot sign. And it's it's a laneway behind a restaurant and, and the Legion. Uh, and I thought, if this is, if people are using the you know the honor of veterans to stop this affordable housing project, first of all, I can't imagine the veterans would stop it, as someone said to me, like, isn't that what they fought for, for a Canada that's compassionate and everyone does well, you know what I mean? Um, but also, can't we do more for them than that? I mean, if, the, if we want to have a veteran's lane, can't we do much more than the entrance to a municipal parking lot in a lane, mm-hmm. in like a back lane? So, you know, I want, when I saw that, I was kind of shocked. And I thought it sounds compelling, but when you really look at it, there's there's definite things we can do. And Councillor Crutch brought some of them up on the O Show. But then when you actually look at the parking lots and you look at how busy or not busy they were, you look at how perfectly located they are, there's other buildings around it, you start. You have to start to say, is it because it's affordable housing that's the issue? I mean, because parking is oh, not that... Course, yeah, deal, I mean, it's like you're right?
1: bringing the wrong kind of people into our neighbourhood, you're going to affect our prop. It's all the classic stuff. And again, that's... That's so predictable. You can't be a counselor and not expect that you're going to get that.
2: Of course right, you're going to get managed, that. <laughs> they've managed not to do it for so long. Well, and you know why? Because every time, in my experience, there has been a higher level priority for the city, right? Whether it was LRT, whether it was whatever, it always falls apart in these, in these little fiefdoms that have been established and entrenched. And that's why we fought so hard to change that up. But there's enough left over Right. There's still two old guard councillors plus, a, you know, someone who was placed by an old guard counselor who won the election but was supported by one. I mean, there's a, and you got a mayor who's acting like, uh, you know, uh, old guard mayor. There's enough there. That can play that game of saying well you know i i don't want that that my neighbor my voters are going to be mad when it comes to us so if i vote for this now i'm going to have i'm going to be called out then you know so i'll support this guy over here and blocking it from his neighborhood because he'll help me when i need to block it from mine and we both get reelected i mean that's that's what it comes down to i guess
0: guess what it just comes down to me is that this we've seen this seems to me to is andrea's issue is the homelessness in Hamilton is her whether she wants it or not this is her file this is what uh, LRT was the previous mayor's fight homelessness in Hamilton is now hers she she doesn't get to opt out of it but I I think what it comes down to is we saw that she didn't have a vision or an idea of what Hamilton was going to be like four years after her term and I mean I'm, I'm editorializing here but this is what it comes down to is like when you don't have a vision for the city you can't enforce change you can't direct it you can't say this is a priority i need to scratch this off the to do list past project done affordable housing done okay let's get back on track to economic development or or lrt whatever the case is right the fact that we're just the council's just spinning its wheels like I, my question is why is Cameron Crutch a councillor the one spearheading this, this 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 cause, like this, really should be the mayor. It should just be like, yeah, we can do this. Council, get on board, do it or not, and make it happen.
2: I don't know, but I'll tell you, um, when a number of people that I had had on the O show uh, as potential new councilors that I was impressed by, and all of them got in. Um, I was excited on, on that night, right, when we saw the new the turnover council, but I actually jumped for joy when I heard that Cameron won, and by a landslide, because I knew Cameron quite well, and he, as a volunteer, remember, as a volunteer, had been sanctioned by the city, had been disparaged, yeah. and, and the community raised $22,000 in 24 hours for his legal fight against the city as a volunteer. So that wasn't going to be somebody who's going to roll into council and accept the status quo and go along to get along. Right. And so he is he is a standout in that way. Um, And it's hard. It is hard to have a team that you're part of and have to constantly call out, you know, bad plays. That's not easy to do. But that's what he got elected for. And so far, he's doing it. I'm not happy with every single thing he's ever done. But I am happy that he can come on my show and get, you know, effectively yelled at for 45 minutes like I did yesterday and take it right. Because he agrees. I mean, I think on a lot of levels he he agrees that There has to be more done. And he said at one point in the show, you know, we need counsel. I hear you. We need to be more vocal. We need to be more united. We need to fight this fight. Um, And you said it so brilliantly there, Joel. You know, she can't opt out of this. This is the crisis of our time. It wasn't the crisis of Fred 0.1, Fred 2.0. It wasn't the crisis of Bob Retina. That was LRT, right? Um, that was other things. Uh, Bob Morrow's crisis was industry-leaving. You know, Larry Dianney's crisis was, you know, trying to create the renaissance and, and fix downtown and the Lister Block. I mean, they all had their crisis. They all had their focal point that they were judged on and that they had to fight hard battles. Uh, we have Mayor Andrea Horvath not fighting the battle and it's not just about whether or not you think people deserve to be in homelessness or why aren't they taking, you know, migrant labor jobs or why aren't they doing this or why aren't they doing all these things I hear all day long or too much immigration or all this other stuff. Um, It's not about that. It's about right now, you you want our downtown core to be successful and businesses to be successful. Guess what people don't feel comfortable being around is other people who are in crisis, Mm -hmm. right? so how do all the restaurants that i've supported for so many years how do all the businesses that i've supported (laughs) as a chamber member and a former chamber director uh for so many years i've had the bia as a client i mean how do they get the kind of foot traffic and the kind of um renaissance of the downtown that we were starting if we are now under this post-pandemic rent control spurned uh, inflation era crisis they're not, right it's, It doesn't feel safe downtown. It does not feel safe and that I hate it breaks my heart to say that and it's not the fault of the people who are living rough. It's the fault of our governments for not providing adequate shelter and, and health services for people uh, who are now in dire situations and are living. Uh, I mean like I, 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 I try to understand what it might must feel like truly. I mean, one guy said to me, he goes, I, he's living on the street on Bay Street. And he said, I could smell the food from Bay Street, which is several you know, kilometers away. And He made his way all the way over. There are people in encampments who can't leave their encampment or leave their corners for fear of what might happen to what they have, right? So people can't even access, access the help sometimes. And so, I mean, it's just, I think to myself, after this two or three hours of, of like support and, and, and joy and, and love, um, and it's mutual. After that, where do you, how do you get through the next week? Like you know, sleeping in a sleeping bag in a doorway, right on Main Street. I mean, how how is that life? And it, it, it's heartbreaking. And I, it, I know it's hard for men and women. Uh, when I see some of the women who are living like that, I can't possibly imagine uh, the exploitation that they might be going through. It, 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 like it, we cry after when we come home every week. Uh, you know uh, at least i do sometimes my daughter does um and you know because we have to not unsee it we don't want to forget it we want to do everything we can to fight for them but i don't know how they i don't know how i don't know how i would manage that and i think anyone who is going to judge them for the uh, state they're in or the choices they make to survive the night i mean boy wow <laughs> you know, uh meet them and then and then see if you would ever want your brother or your child or your sister or your cousin or someone from high school that you knew possibly trying to survive the next seven nights in downtown hamilton on your own i mean that is that is pretty dire uh and it's pretty scary
1: it, it i heard and i can't remember the person whose person's name he's used this phrase but it was it was uh, a poverty uh, eradication activist a few years ago whose name may come back to me, um, who who said and it stuck with me, um poverty and home, you know, by implication, homelessness only exists because we are willing to to let it exist, because it's, it's a choice. price we're willing to take. It's our choice. Yeah. It's a choice we have taken and the societies have taken for decades and centuries. And when we decide we want to reduce it, it reduces. And when we decide we don't care, it goes back up. Um it, you know we can get rid of this it's well within our power but it's never a priority excuse my phone um may i just say uh,
2: on, are you familiar with what prince uh, prince william has done he he made a pledge that in the uk in the next five years homelessness will become a uh, Uh, infrequent and and unrepeated or something like that. I forget his words, but basically he, there are these uh, organizations all throughout the UK that are using best practices right Uh, around homelessness and how to, how to, you know, never, he didn't say eradicate it because as you said, it's, it's as old as time. Um, But he did say like to make it infrequent and, and, and short as opposed to what we're accepting now, which is chronic homelessness, which is chronic homelessness, which is saying, you know what? Too bad. I get to have a home and heat and, you know, I get to work in a heated city hall with washrooms and everything that sit empty all night long. And those people get to lay out there and and freeze and take dangerous street drugs to get through the pain or to stay awake and alert, right? Uh, Which is what part of it is. Um, I get, I get, I mean, I get to have this and they don't. And I'm telling you, there are families in those lines. There are little children, right? Who are helping their adults to come and get the food. And when you see them, you think, I want everything in my being to communicate that I don't, I don't, I, I don't. Like, I want them to have an image of, of joy and people sharing and people caring and people laughing and dancing. Like, I don't want them to ever feel like they were somehow lesser than in our society, you know, but but they we are treating them like they are. The five richest people in the world doubled their doubled doubled their net value during the pandemic, right? So there's plenty of money to go around. It's not that there's not enough money for the poor. It's that There's never enough to satiate the, the rich. There's never enough greed. There's never enough to fill that level of greed and that level of power, right? So we have the money, we have it locally. We have options, you know, we don't need to throw three New Year's parties. <laughs> you know, and, we don't well, need to And
1: do And, the, and the, the pity of it is, and I know we should draw I'll close here now but uh, i can't resist <laughs> throwing another <laughs> another brick bat at the mayor uh <laughs> the pity of it is she has the opportunity to to really stamp her name on hamilton forever by being that ndp firebrand by being that person who will not accept uh at the status quo Um, to, to not be a, another conservative boring conservative small c whatever c mayor who who just accepts the crummy way that things go in municipal politics like you say she's a strong mayor now she can really tackle this if she wanted to be be the person she always told us that she's that she was wouldn't
2: that be wonderful i mean for all of the op-eds that I've written. Uh and I wrote one just for Christmas that says we need a quarterback, not a cheerleader. I mean we're at the point where we need, you know, as a best analogy. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, a cheerleader for that issue, as opposed to, you know, all the other announcements if you look at her Twitter feed. Uh, it, so it's not that she's not talking and posting, it's that she's just posting happy news announcements. And so somehow we can we can Pollyanna our way through this mess, right? We can't. Um, So I would love it, in spite of all the critique that I've had to do over the last year of her mayoralship, I would love it if tomorrow she woke up and she spent the day talking to every other mayor across the country who's figured this out and talks to her million dollars worth of staff and says, you know what? this is something that we are going to tackle we are going to like i would call an emergency meeting of the council i would do a full you know weekend strategy they spent 30,000 dollars 10 years ago on coming up with the best place to raise a child over a weekend they can certainly spend the time talking about a full scale approach to the homeless crisis and yes they've had staff come back with reports but the winter strategy that staff came back with the next day all the advocates in the city did an emergency press conference saying that it was dangerously under uh, under you know, whelming or whatever. So, I mean, they could do more, but if she, to your point, Roland, if she stood up tomorrow and said, you know, my legacy as mayor, which is what the mayor of Los Angeles did, who hasn't even been in the job as long as Mayor Horvath, yeah. said my legacy as mayor will be to tackle the issue of our time, which is homelessness. We're gonna do it in a multifaceted way. We're gonna communicate about it every single day in one way or another. This city will be updated on all of our progress, all of our missteps, all of our challenges, and we together will lift Hamilton into, as she always says, the best years are are yet are ahead of us. Well, let's let's get there, because we're not gonna get there just by her saying the best years. Are ahead of us. What about these years? What about the people who are who are freezing right now? Right? Uh, We need the best years to be now and we need you to get to work on it. So if she just copied the mayor of Los Angeles, I'm sure the mayor of LA would take her call, you know, mayor to mayor. Uh, They're both new mayors, relatively speaking. Talk to her. Or or just look at her Meet the Press interview where she described her entire strategic multifaceted plan. It may not work, it may work, but at least she said, I will be judged. Her exact words, I think, were the mayor of Los Angeles, I will be judged on how I uh, deal with this homelessness crisis. You know, does Mayor Horvath even think that, that that's hers, to your point, uh, Jewel, that, that that's her issue, that she can't walk away from it, or does she think she can just turn a blind eye? I don't know.
0: Well, I guess time will tell on on that. Um, but thank you, Laura, for taking the time from your uh, from your schedule to come on and talk about this issue that will not go away, uh, despite how much Mayor well, Horvath would want it to be
2: like i said i'm not here uh, on behalf of the gore park outreach i don't Mm -hmm. do pr or anything for them i just tell my stories from my experience but i do get after every time i talk about this or post one of the stories like i posted one of Mohammed, who's came from dubai nine years ago and he's a volunteer and he's so wonderful i mean people love to hear those stories about or, or Anne, who cooks hundreds of meals and gets up at two in the morning um you know there's all these great stories so if people want to find out if or how they can help then they reach out to gore park outreach uh, and they can talk to them. So, I, like I said, I don't represent them, but I know I'll get emails and, and tweets after this asking how people can help because people—the outpouring has been amazing—and uh, so that's that's where people can go if they want to help in some way.
0: And you know what? I think we'll maybe try and see if we can find an email to put in the show notes uh, for people to uh, to reach out if they're so inclined. But thank you very much, Laura, for for coming right. on today, and uh, all the best.
2: Okay, before too long, got to get you back on, on the O Show. You guys haven't uh, done the reciprocal yet. you got to do it.
0: <laughs> send us the invite. We'll we're, we're we'll make it happen one way or the other. Well,
2: actually, you know what? Uh, I'd love to have you on the next one if you guys are available. Okay. Yeah, I think this absolutely. topic needs to go on yeah. the O Show. I'd love the, the discussion to be on the other side with you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome.
2: All right. I'll, send you, I'll send you an invite. Okay, guys, Fantastic. take
1: Fantastic. Take care.
2: Bye. Bye. <laughs> Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.